When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pineapple Pizza Podcast discusses the histories, cultures, and beliefs of regions around the world. These stories often contain mature and sometimes disturbing content that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. I had something to show you guys. I know it's spooky season, which means it's also getting a little cold. So Joel picked me up uh, a gift because my hands are always cold all the time. I'm a person. So I get cold hands. So he picked me up. Hander pants. <laughs> They're underpants for your hands. Hopefully you don't eat any chocolate when you're wearing them. <laughs> yep. Oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> You really want to terrify people? Walk around with these gloves on and a shit stain down the middle. <laughs> Shake hands. <laughs> Just a street. <laughs> I thought you guys would appreciate those. Somewhere there's a person who came up with that idea, and the fact that that happened hurts me inside. <laughs> Does it hurt you even more that Joel said, "Hey, this is a great idea and it's perfect <laughs> for Emily. I think I'll buy these." I mean, they're kind of hilarious, but it's like, I just want, I just want someone to explain why my life is going so poorly when somebody out there was just like, I've got a good idea, underwear, but for your hands. (laughs) It's fine. Welcome to Pineapple Pizza Podcast, where we serve up delicious slices of mythology, cryptozoology, and urban legends. It's an interesting combination of flavors. Weird, but it works. Today's special is Spooky Season Supreme. I'm your hostess, Ashlise, and with me today are the creepy but comedic Enchantress <laughs> and Elvira. Hello. <laughs> Hello. I'm just like... <laughs> Deeply sad that my voice talents are so far behind everyone else's, but that's okay. Because you can't be good at everything. <laughs> Alright, so this, this episode's going to be a little bit different than our normal mythology episode. And I don't know how I feel about that, but hopefully it will still be fun. Yay! Alright, so as always, I'm going to start with history because I am that boring, and that's okay. I'm here for it. I love history. Me too, because I'm a nerd. Okay, so as promised in our Irish mythology episode, I have chosen to talk about Samhain as my October slash Halloween special for this month. Yay! Woo! Should we boo when we mean yay? Boo! Boo! Ouch, that hurt my feelings. (laughs) (laughs) That's a no. It's okay, you can do whatever you want. You can hiss too, that's fine. I can just go, ooh. That's a good ghost noise. I like it. All right, before we dive in, I would just like to repeat an important caveat that I mentioned in that episode, which is much of what we know about Celtic mythology and culture and. Wow, and Sawin. I almost fucking said it wrong. Thanks, Supernatural. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Hain. I'm coming for you, Kripke. You messed me up for years. <laughs> <laughs> Much of what we know about Sawin is written from the perspective of outsiders to the culture, and we have to keep that in mind. Specifically, a lot of it comes from the Romans, who, as we've already discussed, are dicks, and there's really nothing that I can do about that. Um, so because they didn't have a good opinion of Celtic culture or, you know, any other culture that wasn't Roman, because, you know, assholes, uh, we have to take it with a grain of salt. 
The rest of what we know about the festival has been drawn from the limited folkloric sources that have survived from the ancient Celts. Now, with that PSA out of the way, let's talk about this holiday. Samhain... (laughs) Samhain, meaning end of summer, is a pagan religious festival celebrating the harvest that took place from October 31st to November 1st. It also served to, quote, usher in the dark half of the year, end quote. I stole that from History.com because I liked it. (laughs) (laughs) Followers of the ancient Celtic religion believed that the barrier between the physical and spiritual worlds became permeable during Samhain, meaning there could be more interaction between humans and the other world. Samhain was considered the most important of the quarterly fire festivals, and no, I do not mean F-Y-R-E, that fake-ass music festival that Billy McFarland pretended was going to be a thing. (laughs) I mean the real deal where you party and there's like a big bonfire, which is way cooler, and everybody knows that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you roll a burning wheel into the water. Yep. (laughs) It's a thing. Okay, I I believe you. I've never done it. Um, Some early texts describe three days and nights of celebration, while others discuss six days of festivities marked by heavy drinking and feasting. Again. Woo! Woo! (laughs) Shots, 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 shots. Of course, we don't really know which of those estimates is right. It could be neither of them. So we just kind of have to be like, well, for some number of days, they were partying. I don't know. (laughs) They can't remember because they were so wasted. I completely picture this as Hotel Transylvania. Shot, 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 shots with all the monsters in the background just partying it up. I haven't seen that movie. I can see that. (gasps) You're missing out. It's good. Steve Buscemi's in it, too. Oh, I fucking love Steve Buscemi. He's the werewolf, he's, isn't he? He's he's the sad werewolf dad. He's the oh my god <laughs> with like a million pups. <laughs> I gotta watch this movie. I don't know why I didn't watch it yet, but I write it down and then I'm gonna watch it. Yeah. All right. Ooh. Le- <laughs> <laughs> Leading up to the festival, fires would be left to burn out in the family hearths as crops were harvested. When the work was completed, the ancient Celts gathered with Druid priests to light a communal fire using a ceremonial fire wheel that created sparks through friction to get the flames started. This wheel was meant to represent the sun, apparently. Some sources state that bones from sacrificed livestock were used to fuel the bonfires, although it's difficult to say if that's true. Like a lot of other things about this. I don't know if they actually did that. If they did, I can't imagine that they wouldn't have had to use other stuff to fuel this fire. Because, like, how well could super old bones really burn? Not super great. That won't last a whole long time. I think they would need other stuff to fuel it if they did even do that. That'd be a puny fire. They'd be like, yay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when you get, like, the really cheapo sparklers. And it's just like, oh. <laughs> Whole cake, puny fire. Big fire. <laughs> um, what I can say for certain is that the flames from this communal fire were then carried back home on torches, and they would use that fire to relight their hearths then, which is kind of awesome, and I like the symbolism of that a lot. Unless they're carrying bones to light their fires. You had to make it weird, didn't you? <laughs> It's what I do. (laughs) All right, now I'm going to be picturing people carrying around fiery bones the rest of the time that we're doing this. I'm just picturing a small child carrying like a flaming rib cage now. No! (laughs) Oh dear God. Mom, I love Sawin! Supposedly, there were blood sacrifices during Samhain, although the extent of those is not fully known. It's likely that cattle were sacrificed, as we touched on briefly in the Irish mythology episode. Of course, the myth that we discussed surrounding Crom Cruick claims human sacrifices were also made during Samhain. 
The increased communal fear of the Dark God during this period makes sense given that the veil between the Otherworld would mean Krom's ability to affect or harm the community would also be increased during that time. The ancient Celts prepared offerings that were left outside for fairies, but they would also dress as animals or monsters to keep fairies from attempting to kidnap them. Like, don't take me, little fairy. I'm just a cow. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Another method of protection consisted of carving menacing faces into turnips that were left on the doorstep to scare and prevent unwelcome spiritual guests from entering their house. Is. Sometimes a lit candle would be placed inside the turnip because the light was considered to add an extra layer of protection. This resulted in the modern tradition of carving jack-o'-lanterns, but we use pumpkins today since they're larger and easier to work with. You know, because it's probably pretty hard to carve the turnip. I was thinking that too. Yeah. <laughs> I just think they'd be adorable, though. Adorable little crabby turnips just sitting on your doorstep. It's a little shrunken head. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I was like, oh my god. So creepy. So pumpkins are actually not native to Ireland, so that's why they used turnips during Samhain. We just switched it out because we're like, we're lazy and I want to do something that's super easy and not that difficult and also kind of smells good while I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. I like the smell of pumpkin. Another Samhain tradition was the druid ritual of going from house to house collecting nuts, eggs, and apples. These offerings brought protection from misfortune, such as faltering crops or sick livestock. So you would give these things out to anyone who stopped by your house, and then that would earn you, I guess, good fortune basically moving forward because you had been generous and given out these gifts. Um, homes that failed to get Sorry, homes that failed to give decent offerings could expect to have pranks played on them. So this is the origin of trick-or-treat. Gotcha. Although they probably didn't egg people's houses back in the day because, like, eggs are food and you shouldn't waste them. I'm afraid of what else they might have (laughs) done. I was just going to say, did they nut the houses? And then I realized it sounded. It's like that Nessie episode all over again. I secretly think they probably threw cow poo at it, but I don't really know. I mean, I just assume there was probably abundance an abundance of cow poo. It just makes sense. Could be worse. Cow poo's not so bad. It doesn't smell good. Yeah, but it's pretty much just grass. It's not that bad once it dries. (laughs) (laughs) All right, this got weird. Okay, so on the positive side and in similarity to the Mexican holiday Dia de los Muertos, the Celts believed their deceased ancestors would visit them while the barrier between the worlds was thin as well. Food was prepared for both the living and the dead, although some of my sources report that the food prepared for the dead was frequently shared with the poorer members of the community since the ancestral spirits couldn't actually consume anything. I really like that. Um, But then there's the darker side of the festival, which includes run-ins with mischievous spirits or even monsters, and that's where we're headed for our main course. Ingredients for this dish were sourced from the History Channel page on Samhain, an article from Time by Katie Lang called What is Samhain? What to Know About the Ancient Pagan Festival That Came Before Halloween, a page from New Grange called Samhain, the Celtic Roots of Halloween, a page on Samhain from Encyclopedia Britannica, and finally, a page on the story of the jack-o'-lantern from Irish Genealogy Toolkit. All right, we are finished with our appetizers. I'll be back with our main course right after this break. This episode is sponsored by what might be my new favorite podcast, Art Legends in History. Have either of you heard of it before? Mm-mm. No, I have not. No? Okay. I didn't think so, but Linz, I think, as someone with a background in graphic design, I think this, this is something that you'd really enjoy listening to. Mm-hmm. And Ashley, I know for sure that you would really enjoy episode two because it's all about your favorite artist, Frida Kahlo. Oh, ho, ho. This show discusses the life and history of each artist as they learned and explored their craft, 
but also takes on the history of art and various movements from ancient sculptures to contemporary street art. It's a bingeable whirlwind tour through art history, often giving you a peek into the chaotic life behind some of history's most famous artists. And a lot like our show, they don't only focus on American artists. The show discusses art across generations and cultures. Each episode so far is less than 20 minutes long, so they're the perfect bite size for every listener. Personally, my favorite episode was about Yayoi Kusama. I had never heard of this artist before, but after learning about what inspired her art, I wanted to know more. It was Her story was pretty sad, but it was also weird and pretty cool. So I think go check that episode out for sure. If you enjoy our show and getting to learn a little history and culture, then you'll definitely like Art Legends and History. So be sure to check out the link to their website that I put in our show notes. And we're back. I hope you're hungry because it's time for our next course. One of the mischief-minded creatures you might run into on Sawin is called the Puka. In fact, November 1st is sometimes referred to as Puka's Day. It was even customary for the reapers of the harvest to leave a few stalks behind as an offering for these fuzzy shapeshifters in order to gain their goodwill. The puka is a goblin-like shapeshifter from Celtic folklore that has been described as having either dark or white fur. As a skillful shapeshifter, the puka can take the form of many different animals, including goats, dogs, ravens, cats, horses, wolves, or hares. One of the most common descriptions of the puka is in the form of a beautiful black horse with a flowing mane and golden, luminescent eyes. Ooh, that's pretty. Yeah, well, all I can think about after I read that description is Idris Elba in the Thor movies. As a horse. Well, no, just the golden, <laughs> luminous eyes. <laughs> I can't help it. Why is he so much hotter with gold eyes? Not that he's not always hot. He's definitely always hot. But there's something special about the gold eyes and the long hair. I don't know. I think it's the color contrast. They bring out each other very well. They complement each other very well. And the hair was a different color. And it was like a really nice color combination. He's just a stunning statue of a man. It's not right. I love how he's a nerd, too. That makes me happy. And that voice. Mm-hmm. Mm. This has been a sexy diversion, but we should probably get back <laughs> on track. Um, Puka can also take on a human appearance, although they generally retain animal features like a tail or long ears. So if you ever see a person who has a tail or long ears, run away. <laughs> Unless you really want to get pranked and then, yeah, go ahead and fucking hang out. That's cool. Um, Pukas are able to speak like people, and Celtic folklore has tales of them giving helpful advice to people to protect them from harm. But they've also been known to use the gift of gab to stretch the truth. With that being said, the Puka is a trickster figure. We've talked about tricksters before because of my fondness for them. Yes, it's a problem. No, I'm not sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm sure it comes as no surprise that these furry tricksters can be mischievous and they delight in scaring and confusing humans. Come on. I I would too. I mean. Yeah, right. Humans are dumb. Sometimes I delight in that shit right now and I don't have a good (laughs) excuse. Pukas are neither wholly good nor wholly evil, which is fitting because honestly, nothing in life is ever that simple and that's boring AF. I kind of like pukas. So they're chaotic neutral? Yes, like me. There are many stories about the puka wreaking havoc as a horse. And this is one of my favorite things about this. So I hope you guys will enjoy this little, tiny little micro story. The puka is said to find a person walking, often one who is overindulged on alcohol and is walking home from a pub. Nice. Like it already. Oh yeah, and... The puka will offer this person a ride on his back. But any rider who accepts the puka's invitation will soon find themselves deeply regretting that decision. 
Once the rider has climbed aboard, our puka horse begins galloping and delights in scaring his passenger with a series of dangerous and terrifying jumps over rocks, hedges, fences, and basically anything else within sight. The horse might also run through crops, which can cause a lot of damage, or even run straight through a fence with this person, like, terrified and still hanging on their back. The ride generally lasts until the dull light of dawn finally appears, at which point... At which point the horse throws the exhausted rider off his back and then takes off, leaving that person to find their way home. (laughs) Oh no! (laughs) That was probably not a good night, but hey. (laughs) In pop culture, the most famous depiction of the puka is in Harvey, the 1944 play by Mary Chase, which won the 1945 Pulitzer Prize for Drama. The play was later adapted into the 1950 film of the same name, starring Jimmy Stewart and Josephine Hull. In the play, Harvey is the six-foot, three-and-a-half-inch-tall puka in the form of an anthropomorphic white rabbit, who is presumed to be the imaginary friend of the main character, Elwood Dowd. It's amazing because literally no one else can see him, so everyone is convinced that Elwood is completely off his rocker nuts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's kind of the trickster element there, although Harvey as a puka is actually a really good, like, a really good natured puka, I would mm-hmm. say overall. I'm not going to ruin the movie, so we'll leave it at that. Um, the Puka has appeared in many literary works over the years, including R.A. McAvoy's 1987 Irish fantasy novel, The Grey Horse, the 2003-2009 to book series The Spiderwick Chronicles by Holly Black and Terry D. Terlizzi, and the 2015 fantasy novel From the Little, The Much Is Known by Sean Macoustin, I think, and I'm sorry if I got the last name wrong. I'm not really that familiar with that author. Other pop culture references include the British children's TV series Nightmare, but like K-N-I-G-H-T-N-A-R-E, that aired from 1987 to 1994, the 2007 video game Odin Sphere, and the 2008 card game Dominion, which I know literally nothing about because that is not the type of nerd that I am. (laughs) (laughs) Overall, the puka is more of a troublemaker than a real threat, though. So if you have to have a run-in with something supernatural that isn't a visiting ancestor, you could do a lot worse. And believe me, we're gonna. Oh, oh no. Ingredients for this dish were sourced from Wikipedia. Um, I did a couple of different pages there. A page from Your Irish Culture called The Puka in Irish Folklore and an article from Irish Central by Leo Casey called The Irish Legend of the Puka. Now that we've enjoyed our deceptively delicious second course, it's time to take a short break. Today's episode is brought to you by DB. DB is a Scandinavian brand that makes backpacks and bags to help people on the move stay ready for anything. From the streets to the peaks, DB's gear is travel-tested by some of the world's best athletes, adventurers, and creators. Over the past decade, DB has designed and developed, released and refined the best bags in the market. With DB's patented hookup system, you are able to attach smaller products to your backpack, roller, or tote. I know personally, whenever I have to go through the airport, which is something that I hate doing, having to wrestle with multiple bags is a struggle, especially once you start getting through the TSA line. So having an option to just be able to easily attach everything to one bag sounds heavenly. I would have to agree. I've been doing a whole bunch of traveling lately for conferences as a grad student, and trying to carry around a whole bunch of bags is a humongous pain in the butt. And it's even more concerning when you have to check something and then you don't know if it's going to make it to your final destination. So having those carry-ons really matters. Being able to easily get from one point to another is a big deal in travel and db will help you get there we are teaming up with db to exclusively offer our listeners 10 percent off your next purchase by using the code pod 10 or going to the link in our show notes 
DB. It's time to move on, time to get going. Welcome back. I hope you're ready for dessert. This dish is a darker treat. Ooh, <laughs> like chocolate. Ooh. Only I'm sure it's not delightful. I mean, it depends what you find delightful. Ooh. Chocolate on hander pants? <laughs> not what I was going to say, <laughs> but okay. <laughs> I was going to say some people find really messed up shit delightful and if you're one of those people then yeah you're probably gonna like this <laughs> yeah our final course just might take your breath away so I hope everyone is ready so another figure known to make frequent nighttime appearances on Samhain among other Celtic festivals so it's not exclusively Samhain is the Dolahan meaning dark man ooh ooh Ooh, I'm I'm about this one. I like this. (laughs) I like it already. The Dullahan is one of the most well-known figures from Irish slash Celtic mythology, depending on which term you prefer. Although you might recognize this dark fiend better by another name. Is the the Shadow Man? Nope. (gasps) Oh, is the Headless Horseman? Yeah. I'm sorry. I still remember. <laughs> I was too excited about this. <laughs> it's fine. Yep, it's the headless horseman. Um, there are differing accounts of how the Dolahan lost his head. Perhaps the most common version is that he was a soldier in life who lost his head during battle. It's said he wanders on the back of a dark stallion throughout the countryside in search of his missing head, and he's never going to find it. But there are variations of this story in which the Dolahan has already found his head and instead rides through the night, fueled by bitterness about his death, looking for other souls to take with him to the other world. I like that version better. (laughs) The bitterness is... Yeah. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) (laughs) When he is not riding a single horse, the Dolahan travels in a carriage constructed from coffins, human bones, and tombstones that is pulled by a team of six black horses. That is badass. That's fucking metal. That's Just awesome. wait, it's gonna get even more metal. Even more. <gasps> These horses gallop with such ferocity that their nostrils emit flames and their hooves spark fire as they strike against the ground. God, that is so metal. <laughs> it's like something like Ozzy Osbourne would do. Like, it's just like, I'm just like, it's terrifying. Space. I'm so excited. And amazing. <laughs> yeah. I'm one of those people. Sorry. It's I just, okay. I just discovered that I'm one of those people that's just like, this is amazing. I felt like I already knew you were one of those people. <laughs> It's just been confirmed. It's fine. Confirmation has been achieved. <laughs> In another origin story, the Dolahan is considered to be an embodiment of Crom Dub, aka Crom Cruick, who we've discussed before. This version of the story can be traced back to the 6th century when Christianity came to the country of Ireland. Supposedly, After the spread of this new religion brought a stop to the human sacrifices demanded by Krom, he took on the form of the Dolahan and rode the land himself, taking the lives he required since they were no longer willingly given. Okay. I can see it. He gonna fuck you up. Yeah. (laughs) Gimme, gimme, gimme. Mine. (laughs) Does he have to lick it first? No. That's my head. It's really hard to lick stuff if you don't have a head. Like, it's really hard. It's not impossible. (laughs) So figure that out. And I'm just picturing him, like, riding on a horse when he does it. And, like, swinging a giant broadsword. So, unless the broadsword has a tongue on the end of it. His weapon is way cooler than that. And you're going to fucking love it so much. Okay. All right. I'm going to be quiet. You're going to love it so fucking much. (laughs) Okay, so now I'm going to describe him a little bit more, because, like, it's easy to picture someone who just doesn't have a head, but, like, let's get some more detail. 
The dually hand wears a long black cloak that flows out behind him Nick Fury style. So picture that. Okay. If he is seen in possession of his severed head, they say he raises it into the air so he can find people whose souls he can take. (gasps) (laughs) The head itself is said to be covered in rotting flesh that has the appearance of dough gone stale. Oh, oh, oh no. And its putrid scent supposedly smells like rotten cheese. Oh, God. Oh, no. <laughs> That's so specific. <laughs> Dough and cheese. It's somebody, like, who really <laughs> wasn't taking care of their kitchen. <laughs> Stale dough and rotten cheese. Ugh. Nasty. His mouth is split into a terrifying grin. So, like, imagine the Joker, but, like, without the makeup. And his eyes shine with an evil glow reminiscent of fire. Okay. All right. Speaking of his eyes, they never stop moving because they're constantly scanning the countryside looking for a victim to claim. And even on extremely dark nights, the Dullahan can see for a great distance. That's creepy as fuck. This guy is (laughs) grotesque. Oh. Is it weird that I pictured it as like a mix between the Pillsbury Doughboy's head and Christopher Walken's character of this oh from uh, Sleepy Hollow? <laughs> oh my god, with the teeth! <laughs> like that's yeah, that's weird. I'm just gonna go on record and say that's weird. That's weird, Lindsay. All right. <laughs> Alrighty. (laughs) (laughs) Any gate he approaches opens for him, even if it's, no, like, no matter how well it's locked, it just springs open, so he can't be prevented from entering the villages. When he roams the village streets, people hide behind their curtains in terror. Yeah. It's said if you look at him, the Dolahan uses his whip made from a human spinal cord to blind them by whipping out their eyes. Oh my god, I just got chills down my whole body. Or, alternatively, he might throw a basin of blood in their faces. I don't... I guess I'd take blood. (laughs) Who just carries a basin of blood with them? Like... Choose your weapon. Mary Poppins style pulls this big old basin out of a bag. <laughs> this horse. Maybe it's just like in the carriage, and he just pulls it out. I don't really know. It's magic. I don't. I don't fucking know. Um, but even these fates are preferable than that of whomever he chooses to be his victim. When the Dullahan finds the person of his choice. He stops his horse and calls out the name of the chosen person. Causing. Oh, it's going to get worse. Mm -hmm. Well, or not, I guess. I don't fucking know. (laughs) He calls out the name of his intended victim, causing the soul to immediately leave the body and the person to drop dead where they stand. Holy cow. That's fucked up. Like, you don't have any chance. Nope. Nope. This is the only time the Dolahan is known to speak. He speaks one thing, and it's the name of whoever he's decided to kill. That's also very metal. That's so creepy. The only possible protection from the Dolahan is precious metal, which is supposed to be thrown on the ground in front of him. The most commonly cited metal for this purpose is gold. It doesn't necessarily have to be gold, but most of the stories say gold. Um, The sight of the metal will cause his horse or horses, if he's in the carriage, to turn and flee in terror. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know what it is about the metal. Hmm. But apparently horses don't like it. (laughs) It's too shiny. I don't like that at all. I'm going to run away. (laughs) (laughs) I say nay. No, sir, I don't like it. (laughs) 
Uh, aside from this, there is no known defense from the Dolahan, so the best course of action is to make absolutely certain you're indoors before sunset during Sawin, as he cannot appear until nighttime. The most famous depiction of the Dolahan is Washington Irving's Headless Horseman in his story The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, although he adapts the mythological figure to fit the story's new American setting. In this retelling, Irving cast the horseman as a deceased Hessian soldier fighting in the American Revolutionary War who lost his head to a cannonball on the battlefield. Ooh. Oh, that's a way to go. Be quick, at least. Yeah, I was thinking that too. I mean, feel it. compared to a lot of other ways you could die in the Revolutionary War, at least it'd be quick. <laughs> yep. You know how your brain stays awake? for a few seconds after you die do you feel like his face was just like what is all this blackness as it's flying through the air or he's just like when did it get so windy (laughs) (laughs) sorry (laughs) I'm sure that's exactly what happens (laughs) who turned out the lights why is it so windy However, the Doolahan has also appeared many other places, including multiple video games such as Assassin's Creed 3, uh, World of Warcraft, and The Elder Scrolls V Skyrim, among many others. I do not play video games. <laughs> I had to get that off of the internet, so hopefully all of those are true. <laughs> Ingredients for this, for this dish were sourced from Wikipedia... Irish Place website has a page on the Doolahan of Celtic mythology and an article from the website Irish Culture and Customs by Bridget Haggerty called The Doolahan, Ireland's Headless Horseman. So that's it. Um, I was going to do a third creature, but I could not make it work, so (laughs) I did not. (laughs) I thought they were good, the ones that you did. That was awesome. I didn't know that much about the Doolahan, so that was uh, very spooky and creepy AF. I like that guy. He has a but spine. Also not. <laughs> a spine whip. <laughs> <laughs> it made me think of um, the whips from Iron Man 2 that What's-His-Face had, only without the mm-hmm. electricity. I know who you're talking about, played by Mickey Rourke. Yep. Yeah, I don't remember his name. It was something with a P. It was, Ru- <laughs> it was Russian, whatever it was. Pavlovich or something. Oh, I'm sorry, Russia. That was really bad. <laughs> I want my board. This is not my board. It had Sam Rockwell in it. Mm-hmm. I love Sam Rockwell. Yeah, so do I. His name was Ivan Vanko. I you was were, wrong. You were so close, Emily. <laughs> <laughs> yep. there's, a, there's a P in there somewhere, right? <laughs> Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Not even kind of. (laughs) Which is saying something. (laughs) Because normally there's a V. When it's Russian, just always guess V. That's what I do. I'm like, it's got a V in it, right? Totally. Nailed it. All right. Well, I guess either of you have something good. Do we want to do something good or do we not do that on this? Are we going to be doing something spooky? Or something like weird? Ghost stories or weird or creepy or something to share? I can share something creepy if you want me to share like a spooky story. Okay. Um. So going back to when I was still living in Iowa, when I was about 13, 14, we were house hunting in the town that we were moving into which is everybody's favorite thing to do. And one house we looked at was like this ranch style house. I think you guys might be familiar with this story. I can't remember who I've told it to, but it was okay. I mean, it was like a ranch style house, nothing super exciting. And then we went in the basement and it was an unfinished basement, had lots of random rooms that had like the exposed light bulbs with like the single poles that I did not like and half the light bulbs didn't work. So I think I got like three steps in there and I was like, I don't like this. Bye. And then I went back upstairs. (laughs) 
And then we were going to go check out the garage, which was an attached garage. And I refused to cross the threshold. And they were like, why don't you want to come in here? And I was like, it doesn't feel right. I'm going to go wait outside. And so we leave the house and the realtor asked my parents what we thought about it. And they were like, uh, you know, it's nice. We could, you know, we could see ourselves living there maybe, but we still want to keep looking. And he was like, well, I couldn't in good conscience sell you this house without letting you know that the previous owner killed themselves in the garage. <gasps> That's and it, creepy. And it wasn't until later that I recalled that the windows had been painted over in the garage. Ooh. So, yeah, that's part of why I had just gotten a feeling that I should not go in the garage. It was a bad idea to go in the garage. So, that's one of my many spooky stories. Sorry, that's it was so dark. <laughs> so, I have lots of spooky stories, but I'm going to share one of my favorites. Was years ago, after my eldest was born, my husband at the time and I... We were babysitting one of my friend's two kids. So we had three kids in the house, all under the age of three. Fun. Yeah, that was a fun night. So we finally get them down for bed. And they're each in individual rooms upstairs. And they're uh, aside from our son, they, the other two that we were babysitting were in their own pack and place. So they're all in their own rooms so they can not bother each other and sleep well, right? We're And all the doors upstairs are closed. So we're sitting downstairs and just talking about the day and sharing ideas and sharing a few laughs, no TV on or anything. And very clearly, we hear a doorknob turn upstairs and a door open and a door shut. And we both are like, oh, did you hear that? Yeah, I just heard that too. And so we went upstairs to check because we didn't want the kids to fall down the stairs because we had – it was old stairs, no railings. They're all so little. We didn't want them to fall down. Mm-hmm. So we go upstairs to check and all the doors are shut. So we start individually checking the rooms and the kids were fast asleep in each room. And we had gotten up there within seconds of hearing this door clearly open and shut with that doorknob turn. And it's an old house that had the squeaky doorknobs that are like, oh, as yeah. they turn. And they were all fast asleep. We never figured out what it was, but we both clearly heard it. Ugh. It's pretty spooky. That's creepy. I, I have. Ugh. I don't like when. Yeah, something about doors. <laughs> something about doors is really creepy. Yeah, I think that's because everybody's had that like moment where you're like alone somewhere, mm-hmm. and the door just kind of starts to open a little bit. And it's like, like I don't know if your heart ever beats like harder than it does when that's happening. Because it's like, who the fuck is it? And in my case, it's like almost always like a cat or a dog. (laughs) And I'm like, well, that's good. I almost had a heart attack. But hey, (laughs) it doesn't matter. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't have that many good stories. But I guess I guess I'll tell the Rasputin thing, even though... I know that I probably hallucinated it, but it's fine. (laughs) So if you listen to my other podcast, you've already heard this story, but that's okay. Um, You can hear it again, damn it, because I don't have that. (laughs) (laughs) So I think we talked about the fact that I did the Romanovs on here before, too, Mm -hmm. because like Lindsay's the one that requested it. So I was working on getting that written which normally means ending up sitting up one night, like at least one night super late. If you're not a podcaster, you don't know. But if you are, you're like, yeah, that fucking happens like every yep. single time. Yep. And it's normally <laughs> like when you're getting down to crunch time and you're like, I have to get this done right now. Mm-hmm. So I was really exhausted on this particular day because it was like a Friday and I had worked that day. So I'd been up since probably 6 a.m. So it's getting late. It's like probably around nine o'clock at night or so on that Friday. And obviously I'm a caffeine addict. That's something that's not a secret to anybody. So that's pretty much all that was keeping me awake and typing at that point was just like purely fueled by drugs. (laughs) It's not anything else. (laughs) 
So I'm sitting typing. Um, River was laying on on the um, love seat next to me, like in a little blanket like she does snoring because she's a little smushy face dog that snores. <laughs> and I'm typing and like I like to have music turned up really loud and like my earbuds in when I'm working and I'm tired because it helps me stay focused and it helps me stay awake. But the problem with doing that is that you can't really hear all that much. Like, River snores super loud, and I could barely hear her snoring because that's how loud I had it up. So I was working, and then all of a sudden, I just had this weird feeling. And, like, I don't really know how to explain it except to say, like, when you have, like, I think everyone's had that moment where you feel like someone's watching you. Oh, feels yeah. like someone's looking at you. And I started to have that feeling like to the point that the little hairs on the back of my neck were starting to stand up. And I was like, mm-hmm. I don't like this. So I finally looked up toward the doorway and I saw someone standing there, but I immediately went and looked back down. I don't know how to explain why I immediately looked back down except to say that I was exhausted and I was like, okay, someone's looking at me, looked up, okay, there's the person that's looking at me, back down. And then in the couple seconds that it took for the message to hit my brain, like there shouldn't be anybody standing there Mm -hmm. because you're the only person here. Mm Mm-hmm. I, like, ended up getting one of those surge of adrenaline, like, moments to the point that I, like, half leapt out of the seat that I was sitting in and almost knocked my MacBook onto the ground because I was like, holy shit. And when I looked back up, of course, no one was there. And maybe it's just paranoia, but I swear to God, the person that was standing there looked a hell of a lot like... Gregory Rasputin. And like I had been typing some really mean shit about him. So So if it was him, I am lucky that I am not dead. Uh, Because I had said some really fucked up stuff. (laughs) But yeah, that was like, like, I know... I know that it doesn't make any sense, but something was standing there because you can't you can't just make that shit up no it's definitely one of those things that when you experience it you know what the hell you just experienced mm-hmm. and it, it may sound crazy to everybody else but you know what you saw you know what you felt well if there wasn't anything standing there then there's also no way to explain why i felt like someone was looking at me and like that's mm-hmm. a feeling that i don't think i've ever mistaken like you don't ever get that feeling and then look around no one's looking at you like that's never happened to me there's always like somebody usually you know you get lucky and it's just like someone that you know who's trying to get your attention and maybe Mm -hmm. you're a little oblivious because you're me and you're socially awkward and it's fine then because you're like oh hey like how are you whatever Mm -hmm. but like there's always someone fucking looking (laughs) it's like i've never imagined (laughs) that feeling ever so I I don't know. Like, I really wish, like, a huge part of me really wishes that I wouldn't have looked down, Mm -hmm. like, immediately. But, like, another part of me is like, no, I'm really fucking glad I looked down quick because that was terrifying. (laughs) And, like, I don't know why I would have just, like, accepted it either because he wasn't, like, yeah, the lighting in here is not good when it gets dark, but he looked blue. Like, not, like... Bright, not like fucking Smurf blue or something ridiculous. Just like he wasn't, he didn't look alive. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Like mm-hmm. you know how when your body's not oxygenated, you look a little blue. Like right, mm-hmm. that's what it was like. I mean, how I often do. in life do we do double takes where we look at something and it takes a moment for our brain to register? So then we look back because we didn't, we saw it but we didn't see it the first time. Right. Yeah. So that's all that you were experiencing was a double take. You were tired. There there was no reason to think that to doubt your own senses. I think I was just like worried about confirming that there was someone looking at me. (laughs) And so I did that. That was like the 
only thing I was holding, like in my head at that moment, I confirmed it. And it's like, okay, that's fine. And then I'm like, there isn't anyone fucking here. <laughs> like there can't be <laughs> someone standing there. So I don't know. Like, I think it was Rasputin. Like, I really do. It looked, it looked like him. I, I don't know. That's like nuts. But it, I'm pretty sure it was Rasputin. <laughs> i'm just saying i'm pretty sure like i'm probably crazy but it's it's fine. creepy either way <laughs> yeah either way it's really creepy all right so before we close the restaurant for the night i'd like to read a review from a satisfied customer g crow 89 wrote a review entitled so fun so informative if only school had been like this this podcast enlightens and entertains. Cocaine hippos, of course. And yes, Care Bears are weird because of LSD use in the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> Love these ladies binging. Greg from Bad Council Podcast. Nice. <laughs> Thank you, Greg. Thank you, Greg. Care Bears are weird, and there was a lot of LSD use in the 70s. <laughs> I feel like I talk about drugs too much on this show, and I just <laughs> I just want everybody to know that I don't do any drugs that aren't caffeine or aren't prescription, but, like, I really love to think and talk about them, and I don't know how else to. <laughs> I'm just fucking weird, you know? It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's part of what's so endearing about you. Aw, thanks. I love to talk about cocaine all day. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for coming to visit our beautiful pizzeria and enjoying a thinly veiled slice of Sawin. Like what you did there. Pineapple Pizza Podcast, spooky and chilling. Not everyone understands our ghoulishness, but we're glad that you do? Question mark? If you're enjoying the show and you'd like to help support us, Check out our Tee Public shop for some amazingly fun and funny merch. Or if you want to do a one-time donation, you can do that on buymeacoffee.com and buy us a fresh slice, because we can never get enough of basically anything, if we're being honest. If you absolutely love the show and you want to check out some fantastic bonus content, you can become a donor on Patreon and earn all kinds of amazing benefits. We have three tiers to accommodate almost any budget. The $3 Mythbuster, $7 Cryptid Hunter, and $15 Storyteller. Become a patron today and start enjoying all the perks and extra content right away. Don't forget, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at PineAppPizzaPod. That's PineAppAppPizzaPod. You can also send us questions, comments, and topic ideas at PineAppPizzaPod. APP pizza pod at gmail.com. Remember, there's the two P's in app. Otherwise, you're emailing someone else, and I don't want to be held responsible for that. Thanks for stopping in for some deliciously weird morsels, and just remember no matter how you slice it, you're awesome, and we love you.